I learned how to wear a jacket and I learned how to stay in the car and turn the car on and get the heater going and, and the heated seats. You know, I didn't respect the heated seats until I moved up here. You know, down south, you need the air conditioner seats. So uh, some of you may know me, some of you may not. I'm from Louisiana. Uh, God put me on a mission trip up here and the mission trip is still going. So just pray for us and we'll pray for you guys to get some warmer weather. Amen. I think the spring is coming is what people said. So anyways, I, uh, I love these meetings. Give you a little backstory. I almost have that Pastor John in me where I preach backwards. But honestly, I, I think that takes a lot of time, a lot of thought. So I just will give you a brief snippet. Uh, I was an addict for almost 20 years. Unbelievably, it's crazy. I was an addict longer than I've been alive. Isn't that crazy? No, I'm just kidding. So I've been an addict longer. What I meant to say, I've been an addict longer than I've been free. So I am 10 years free. So when I get my 20-year mark, we're going to throw a big party where I've been equally free as long as I've been addicted, which is a good thing. Isn't that so, so wild that most of my life, all I knew was dysfunction, bondage, and just a life of no, no victory. I lived in defeat. And it was weird. I was so comfortable with that. I was so used to that. But that is where I came from. You know, down south, crime is, is pretty high. You know, and that's where I grew up in a very, very, very high crime area. I was, uh, I was one of the only lighter people of my neighborhood. So, of course, it was gangs and violence in there. And so you become... You become what that neighborhood is. So just a little story. I went to prison at 21. Uh, I was looking at 40-year sentence. Amen, right? So I would have been 61 getting out. Had I been a good boy, I may have been 58 getting out. But God had a different plan for me. I had a call on my life. God called me to be a pastor when I was a young, young kid, and I ran like Jonah did. I ran as far as I could, as fast as I could, but a whale didn't swallow me up, okay? I didn't jump off the side of a ship, but a jail swallowed me up. So not the whale, but the jail. So I got swallowed up by the jail, and I had an encounter with the Lord. And let me tell you what, I wish I could say all my problems ended. I think that's where I realized that I had a bunch of problems, and God was the only one that, that could help me fix them. So fast forward a whole bunch. 2010 was the last time I had, you know, did my last hoorah relapsed a bunch of times between the 2007 mark or 2004 mark when I got I went to jail in 2010 so there was quite a long process in there but I surrendered in 2010 that was probably the greatest time of my life that's where everything went a whole other direction so I say surrender because that's a huge thing because it's really hard to do I can tell you I wrestled and today, even today, I still wrestle at times. But I have learned if I surrender and I let my heart be in his hands, it all works out. But when I grab hold and I make my way and I force my way and I forge it, it just, it just, it, it always falls apart. So anyways, that's a little land yap is what we call it down south in, uh, in the Louisiana region. That's just for free. That wasn't in the notes, but, uh. Uh, one, one announcement that the team we've been talking about, if you haven't signed in or if you used to sign in and maybe you quit doing it, it's really helpful to us to know 
um, you know, that you're here, or really, we were talking about doing an event outside of this setting here. So when we send out, you know, an event, hey, we're going to go do something, I don't know, um, just get together outside of this kind of setting, we want you to know about it, you know, because this is how I see, this is how I learned is you're a visitor one time, then you're family. I may have told some people that. That's, that's just how it was for me down there. Hey, you're a visitor one time, then you're family. Because what they mean by that is if we don't see you anymore, we're going to come looking for you. We're going to come find you. No, seriously, they shoved my work when I relapse. Man, God loves you, man. Listen, Jesus loves you. And I'd be like, dude, you better get away. This is my job. I'm just going to lose it on you. So I'm not saying we're going to come to your job. I'm just saying we're going to reach out to you. We want to check on you. We want to make sure you're doing good. And we don't have a motive but love. Is that okay? Is that kind of strange? That's what I learned is there's no motive. It's just love. That's Jesus's motto is I don't have a motive. I just love you. And Jesus's motto too is, is I have all your answers you're looking for. So anyways, we don't have all your answers, but we just got a bunch of love to give. And uh, so we would love to reach out to you. Um, so really, honestly, I say it again. I used to be an attender of an overcomers meeting and I attended it for a long, long time. And they eventually said, hey, you've been doing this for so long and setting these chairs up, making this coffee. Why don't you take this meeting over? And I was just blown away, you know, because of my past and the way I lived. I didn't think that I was just glad they let me come in the doors. I don't know if I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I was just glad to be people were friendly to me. Uh, which is so cool because I had no idea God would do so much in my life. And I'm no different than you. God wants to do a bunch in your life. I mean, if I've, if I've written two books already, I mean, it's time for you to write a book. It's time for you. You know, that's just how I feel. God, it, he just says, who's willing? Who wants, to, who wants to step up to the plate? I'll do whatever you want in your life. And so that's kind of how my story went. Yeah, so the, the, main, the main thing I want to talk about tonight, uh, I don't want to get real caught up in topic. Uh, I do want to share some things that are on my heart, but I really want to always be sensitive to what, what direction we go. Does that, does that make sense? I, I want to be sensitive to what we talk about here because it, this is an overcomers meeting, a recovery support group meeting which really that all encompasses everything. Could be, like for me, you guys have a thing called Kemp's ice cream up here. We don't have that down south. So that is my new love. You know, that's, that's my new sweetheart. And my wife, we, I love my wife a lot, but I love that ice cream. So, you know, it used to be the bottle for me and drugs and all the other stuff. So now it's ice cream. So when I say support group, that encompasses anything you know i've had people email me all kinds of questions if there's something that is over it's kind of kind of holding you down maybe tangling you up i would say you need to be an overcomer and so i've got all kinds of stuff i don't know about you but i've got problems just like anybody else so this group is for anybody you don't have to be you don't have to have a needle hanging out of your arm coming out door that's you know, and I almost want to put that on the description, but that would be a little much. But if you have something in your life that you would say, gosh, I don't want that in my life anymore. And that has held me down. 
Boom, come on. We'd love to have you because all we're going to do is we're going to read the word together and we're going to learn from, learn from each other. We're going to read what the Bible says about being an overcomer. And what's wild is you'll become an overcomer. And you really, it won't take a bunch of work. It won't be like, oh my gosh, I had to go to a 30-day treatment, which is good. I'm not bashing that. But I, I, I didn't go that route. All I did was just come to a meeting and I surrendered and began to read my word and began to get connected and plugged in. So all that to say, just keep showing up. That's all I did. Just keep showing up. Keep coming. Okay. All right. Is that okay? All right. So we're going to talk about an, a heart audit. I am an auditor and an inspector. So I go to dealerships and I audit their dealerships. They are never happy when I show up. They are never smiling. They never offer me a cup of coffee. When I show up, they are frantically moving papers around and stuff. All my job is, is to hold them accountable to their lender. So our lender sends me an assignment, John, we need you to go check this dealership out. Da, 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 da. All it is really is just accountability. I just say, hey guys, how are you doing? My name's John, I'm here to do an audit. Da, 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 da. Everybody's got bills to pay, everybody's got kids. So I just go and take care of business. I make it really easy. But you know, if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, it's not really easy. So what I learned is sometimes we need to do that right here in the heart. Okay, how's everything going? God lend me this heart. How am I doing? What am I doing with this heart? Am I stewarding well? Is what's going in it? What's coming out of it? Because this is like the so trains have a driving force. This is your driving force. Whatever's in your heart. It's going to play out in your from your talk to your walk. That's just kind of how the human body's made up. You know, the, the heart's going to tell the mind. And I'm not like a doctor or anything, like far from that. But what I've learned is whatever's in my heart, it's coming out. It's going to come out in my speech. It's going to come out in my actions. So I see in the Bible this repetition. And so what I did is I, is I traced back, okay, why did I become an addict? Why did I become an alcoholic? Why did I become all this other stuff? Well, that stuff was in my heart. There were things in my heart that made that pathway open up to me. Had that stuff not been in my heart, there may have been a different story. There may have been a different outcome. But the good thing is I got to experience the freedom as he showed me, there was things, John, there's some stuff in your heart that you need to deal with. Da, 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 da. And I didn't know that was there. You know, I don't have like a, you know, how you're in your car, you've got a gas gauge that says, brother, it's like almost Friday, almost payday. Your, your, your gas gauge is saying empty, but I didn't have, I don't have a thing on my heart that says, hey, you, you're kind of, you need to do a little cleaning out here. I don't have one of them. So what I did is, I just had to ask the Lord, hey, would you show me what's in my heart? Because I need to know. Because whatever it is, I keep like a CD. I keep hitting this scratch. And like my life will go good for a little while. And then bam, back to zero. Well, there was a reason. There was, a, there was something in my heart that kept me going back. So anyways, I had to figure that out. I had to ask the Lord, please help me figure this out. So tonight, there's six areas for me, that kept the cycle of addiction and the cycle of bondage in my life. So one of them areas is, was offense. Let me tell you what. 
Offense is probably a small word compared to how how I would get with people. You know, if something happened, we didn't talk it out. You know, I've just learned that you can talk things out, you know, over the past 10 years. You can talk things out. You know, you can work it out. You can, there can be a problem and you can just straight work it out through a conversation. I, I never was taught that. I was taught if there's a problem, we jump out of the car and we fix it. Or, you know, we fix each other up, you know, with some red stuff on our face. You know, and that never, never fixed anything, but it, it just made the anger go away. And so what I realized is, man, I had a major anger problem. Well, it all stemmed from a whole bunch of offenses when I was younger, you know, that just kept, they just kept building up. So that stuff in my heart just continuously snowballed. I can say that term up here because there's snow everywhere. It just snowballed. So offense is, is, listen, just in essence, it's when you get offended at somebody, you say, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to talk to them anymore. I'm done with them. You know, whatever, I'm done. They're, you know, they're not going to call me no more. That grows into bitterness, resentment, and then it's, it's just always like this thing that's hanging over you. And it's like, never goes away. So it's like you can go so far in life, but then God will say, hey, you got to deal with that. He would always tell me, no matter how far I got, John, you, gotta, you, gotta, you have got to talk to your dad. You have got to make that right. You have got to forgive him. And I would not forgive him, y'all. I'm telling you, I was so, I was so mad at him because he's my parent. God chose him to be my dad, and he, he did not fulfill his role. And uh, that was his job. Like, you know, I don't know if you ever heard the thing, you had one job, and that was your one job to be dad. And, and he didn't do it uh, like I had expected him to. So it really, it drove me into this, you know, I was angry, I was rejected, I was abandoned. I mean, because he quit talking to me when I was nine. So the last time I talked to him when I was nine, and then whenever I went to jail, he wouldn't talk to me. You know, so I'm 21, so there's a pretty good gap there. So when I got born again, he began talking to me, right? Because I was doing good. So yeah, John's doing good. I'll talk to him again. And it really confused me. It really made me mad at him because he was a church guy. And I, it just, it, it really messed up the way I seen God. And I said, you know, if, if that's what, if that's what God's like, then I, I, don't want, I don't want God in my life. I don't, I don't want that in my life. But what I learned is he didn't have a good example. His daddy wasn't proud of him. And it stemmed right on down. And I'll never forget when I interviewed my parents before I, I published that book. I had it written and sitting there. And the Holy Spirit said, John, do an interview on your parents. There's freedom for you. And I was like, all right. Okay. So I call them up on the phone. Got them on speakerphone. I said, hey, Dad, let me ask you a question. You put, you put me in church. You raised me in church. How did it feel to have your son turn out like I did? How did that feel to you? And he said, you know what? It made me mad because I've done everything that I could do to you to help you. And you just got worse. Honestly, you, you were the worst child I'd ever seen. And, and all of my friends would shame me. And it made me so mad. And it like, it set me free to hear him say that because I'm thinking to myself, I've got a little kid now, I've got two kids. And so I could see what, while that would happen, 
And so I let him off the hook right there. I, I, I mean, I had forgiven him right there. And that offense was gone. And so there's so much mercy to him now. But it's all about the heart. What I'm learning, it's all about the heart. Everything that's in here, it plays out. Whether it's in our activities, in our speech, in the things that we're involved in. And so it's, it's so important. The greatest book on offense, it's, oh, I'll tell you what. It's a, it's a tough one. It's called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. Man, that book, I threw that book against the wall about a hundred times. I, I'm telling you the truth. I would get so mad. That truth would hit me, and I would just throw that thing against the wall. That's garbage. But it would be backed up by a scripture, and I would just get, I would just get so angry. Unforgiveness, that ran right into the other area of offense. I was ignorant, and I denied that he needed forgiveness. When I was in Celebrate Recovery, I was in a Celebrate Recovery group down south. I learned that denial disabled our feelings. Energy is lost. It negates growth, isolates us from God, alienates us from our relationship, and it lengthened the pain for me. Because they were asking, what are you offended about? I was offended that he, you know, he didn't, he didn't rise up to my expectations. Or he wasn't involved at all, really. I mean, he could have done something. But he just didn't do anything. That's what he said, John. I didn't know what to do, so I didn't do nothing. So I said, dang, okay. That's good to know, you know. Like, I lived my whole life in that big madness mess cycle, you know. But it just lengthened it. And all I had to do was have a conversation with him. I was thinking, gosh, I could have I done that a long time ago. I mean, I sat in a jail cell for a long time. You know, that's a really long time. 23 hours is a long time just to sit in a room really small, you know, with another person, you know, and you're living there for like months. So I was thinking, gosh, this, this could all have been avoided. But I heard the Lord say, it, this needed to happen. This is, I'm going to use this. This is, this is your ashes, and I'm going to use it. And I said, okay. And what I've seen is that has opened the door to more opportunities to share God's love. I go into a jail and speak, and I mean, it's like the Lord takes the room over just because I've been there. Because when I was in jail, and if you didn't come to jail and you were up there talking, we didn't listen to you, period. We didn't hear nothing you said. Because only, only we would listen to the people that had been in, in, in the jail cell, in the, in the outfit, and had, had lived the life. That's, what, that's just what we listened to. And so a guy come in there one time and he had a life sentence. And God, not that the guy didn't deserve punishment, but God got the guy off. But the deal was, if I get you off this sentence, you're going to give the rest of your life to me. It's all about me. Done deal. And he did it. So I said, man, you know, this, that's a real deal. So that's what happened to me. I said, Lord, if you're real, and you're like these people say you are, you're, you're the real deal, then do something in this courtroom. So 40 years of jail, federal prison time got wiped away. It got thrown out. I got two years probation. But I did become a convicted felon because of it. Because there had to be some kind of justice. You know, you do have to right the wrong. And uh, I said, okay. And he said, okay, you made, you made a deal with me. 
you said that if I helped you, you'd give me your life. And so I don't know if you guys ever seen the movie with Denzel Washington. He said, it's a life for a life. And so I gave up everything that all my dreams, anything that I wanted to do, I gave it up because he gave me life back. You know, I counted the days and everything that I would be in jail. And so I'm still supposed to be there. So I still got to give my life up, but I do it willingly. I, I, I give it up willingly because it gets better and better the more I give it away. Does that make sense? So if I could tell you one thing, what's the one thing that got you out of all the bondage and, and all the bad decisions and, and all that stuff, giving my life away? Putting other people around me that needed some maybe maybe encouragement, maybe needed some help, maybe were coming out of jail, maybe they were coming, uh, getting off nicotine, getting off alcohol, insulate, my uh, insulate myself with people. Because I knew if I messed up, it would take them down too. And uh, it's, it's, like my, it's like the Lord used my pride to keep me going, you know. But that's, that's really what helped no matter what you're going through. If you get somebody else that maybe have a similar uh, something going on, or, or maybe you just have somebody that's just a little further down the road. And you kind of hang around them a little bit. It's amazing what happens. It's a, I used to try to do it by myself, and it would never work. Because God created us to do stuff together. We're, we're better together. And that's such a cliche saying, but that's how it is. When the Lord sent people out, he sent them out two by two. When I moved up here, I knew Pastor John was going up here. I didn't have, I wasn't working at the church. I said, I ain't going up there. That place is bitter cold. My friend told me, Miss Clarice, she said, that place is bitter cold. If the Lord calls you there, you better pray. And I said, ma'am, it's cold there. She said, well, well, don't forget, the Lord sent him out two by two. And I was getting I was uh, getting out of the shower one day, and the Lord said, John, I'm sending you up there with him two by two. And so that was the deal. So a lot of times, if you get around somebody, and maybe they're, maybe they're going through the same thing as you, you guys will will move forward faster than you ever would by yourself. I think it's kind of like, here's my thinking. If you're with a whole bunch of lions and, and one of them gets away, I think it's the, maybe it's the gazelle or something. You know, they all, they all run in packs and them lions are, are watching. They're just waiting for one to get over here by himself. Isn't that what he does? He just waits for us to get by ourselves over here. Yeah, I'm good, everything's good. Okay, yeah, all right. And sh that one's gone. Maybe it's lambs, I think. But, you know, when, it, it, when there's a herd, they don't mess with them. But when one, one starts easing away from the pack, gone. That's what I would do. I would ease away from, from, my, from my, uh, my commitments. You know, I was serving at church. And I would get away from them people that knew me and that could speak into my life. And... They would say, hey, you, you, you're getting a little far. I hadn't seen you showing up lately. What's going on? And before they knew it, John's gone. You know, I'm gone. Because here's the deal. They knew if John's doing bad, he ain't coming to church. I don't play no games with Jesus. I tell him, hey, I'm either all in or all out. And, and that's how it was. If I was doing something I wasn't supposed to, I'm gone. And I would go out for years. And it would be so miserable to me. It would be so miserable knowing that God had done so much in my life and I just, I'd go right back to the big pen. So, okay.
Trauma. Trauma. This is another area. This happens to people every single day. Trauma. Car wrecks. Um, I'll give you another example. My cousin, he is in the Navy. He, he works with the SEAL team. This is what he tells me. He says, John, I have seen stuff in my life that I have, I have been a part of that makes it hard for me to get back into society mentally. Uh, my job requires me to do things sometimes that aren't morally correct. And it's hard to not medicate that. And I, I can't say I understand, but I mean, that's trauma. You know, that's, that's, what he, that's his job. That's what he goes through that nobody knows about but the people on that team. And they have to do things at time to ensure and protect our safety that we never, ever know about. But when I talk on the phone to him, and he is drinking himself to death. I tell him, Blake, that is trauma. And God's got it. Only God can heal that trauma. That alcohol bottle may, may pause that thing for a minute. But when you wake up and your kids are there in the living room, the pain's going to be there. You know, so God's got God's to heal you. The best thing that I ever did during my recovery years which was, like I said, from about really 2004 to today, so a little over 16 years, was sit down with a counselor, a Christian counselor, a man, and, a, and actually his wife was a counselor too. But I would sit down with him and I would, I would just talk about different things that I had been through and, and I would just pick their brain and just, and just learn as much as I could so I could have wisdom, so I could have wisdom for bad situations. Because I wanted to make it. I wanted to live a life totally contradictory from the way I grew up. I believed that you could go from that to absolute 360. We, we've seen a lot of people that had that kind of transformation, that radical change. Like Pastor John went from cutting people's throat and putting a pillow over their head and beating them up to a pastor like a faithful, consistent man of God for almost 20 years. So there's a reason that happened. There's a method to that. And the method is, is making sure everything in here is good a lot, you know, like weekly. So sometimes even daily, which is no problem. But it just takes the maintenance, like your car. I drive my car all day long. I drive 200 miles every day at work. That's just what I do travel a lot. So let me tell you what, I make sure them tires are good. I make sure we got plenty of gas because I ain't going to get stuck on the side of the road when it's negative 30 outside because that is not smart. And I learned that you got to have a blanket in the back of the car too. I was like, why do you guys have blankets? You go on picnics? They're like, no. If your car breaks down, you got to have a blanket. And I was like, well, how long is that going to hold you? You know, so I'm just learning. I don't know nothing. But I check everything out on this car before I leave. Because I want to come home to my family. So anyways, trauma is another one. Injuries. When I wrote my first book, I sat down with a, with a guy that was in our rehab. And I said, uh, how did you get here? How did you get in this place? You're a BMX bike rider. I mean, you're a pro. How did you get here in the middle of nowhere? He said, well, John... 
I had an injury. And it led me to painkillers. So, you, got, you know, you got a bunch of painkillers. That happens pretty much every day, I'm sure, around any city. I mean, everybody gets painkillers. I used to get them all the time. I used to sell them, you know. But it happens. And so it's such a fine line because you, you can really go to the store. It's pretty legal, you know. It's not like it's illegal. It's not like you got to go out of your way to go get it. And he said, you know, the things, they help me with the pain. And yeah, they do. They help with pain. Well, after the pain's gone, then you're like, wow, they, I just, I like taking them. You know, then I really wanted them. Then I was like, I got to have them. So it was like a progression. And that made sense because I used to do the same thing. And I said, so, so you realized that you were an addict when you tried to quit? Yeah, how'd you know? I said, dude, I, every, most of my life. That's when I figured out I was an addict, when I tried to quit. Oh, I can I get rid of that anytime. And then I would try and quit and go, oh, wow, that thing's got some power over me. <laughs> wow, uh, yeah, this is hard. And so he got in a situation, and he had to come to rehab. And the kid, I'll never forget his name's Alex. But he, he had to come to a rehab to get a reset. He had to get a fresh start, a fresh perspective. I told him, this is like a pit stop. This is a pit stop. You can, you can let this serve you. They can change your tires, put some gas in, and you can hop back on the, hop back on the, the race and keep going, buddy. Or I said, you can park this car here and stay. It's up to you. And uh, so I put his testimony in my book because I was, I was so intrigued because there's always an area. There's always... Something that, that gets the door open, per se. Rejection. That was another one. That one happened to me. That's a painful wound. That's a painful booger there. And I'm just kind of, I'm really prefacing all, all these. Because a, a lot of them, you can't just deal with them and it's over. You know, sometimes it takes some counseling. And I sat down with, you know, my counselor all the time. And, and I don't. Here's my deal. I got as much people around me as I could that were my cheerleaders. Does that make sense? Not, not being silly, but seriously, that were, that were pushing me, and, and they were doing it for the right reasons. I wanted to make it. I was tired of going back to them houses with no electricity, or, or you're watching your back all the time. Who's going to shoot me? And who's, you know, that's just, that wasn't cool to me. I couldn't go back to my mom and daddy's house. So I had to make it, period. I grew up pretty much on my own since I was 15. I mean, I was out of the house at 15, dropped out of school, became a full-blown, like, by 17. So it was like, thought I was the man. So I knew I had to make it. I didn't have no plan B. I had to make it. So I just surrounded myself with as many people as I could. And I still today am a student. I go after... I mean, I, I want to know everything. When I get finished with this Bible school in four months, I want to go and be a counselor. I mean, I want to do it. I was never able to do any of that stuff before. I was so bound to my lifestyle and the way that I grew up and the, I mean, the poverty mindset. I mean, I grew up thinking, this is what my dad told me. I don't know if your parents ever said this to you. You'll never be anything is what he would tell me when, when he talked to me. And he was right. I lived that out for almost 20 years. But now that them words are gone, 
and Jesus come in there and, and change the whole story. I mean, I want to, I want to learn it all, you know, not, not to like have a bunch of info, but to be as helpful as possible for the rest of my life. Okay. That's Lanyette too. So the last few, these, this is, this is called strongholds. So you may read in the Bible every few, you know, couple of chapters, maybe in the book of Romans is dominantly where you'll read a lot of it. But strongholds are, they get into our mindsets, they get into our hearts, they get into our belief system, which that is a big old deal, you know. My belief system was, I think God is real. I don't really know him. I don't know if I've ever heard him speak. And so I, I kind of struggled in that area. I really didn't, I didn't really know what I believed. So honestly, one day I wrote down, what do you believe, John Mauser? What do you believe? And so I, I wrote down and I kind of began to look and think like, wow, do I really believe that? I wrote that down. But, and so I challenged everything that was in my mind. And so I, I began to dig into the word and see if I could make my beliefs line up with the beliefs in the Bible. You know, I want to, if I'm going to read the whole thing, I want to know that I'm lined up with it. What I figured out is there were a bunch of lies in my belief system. There were a bunch of lies in my mindset. There were, there were uh, some, some not so, okay, so they were halfway truths, right? So that makes them not truths, right? So I was saying, oh, well, that's, that's kind of true. No, it's either true or it's a lie. And so what I realized is there was some compromise in the belief system. So I began to dig in there and, and really figure out, like, what do I believe? And I'll tell you what, it was, it was kind of life-changing for me. It, it really, it led me to realize that if I believe and I act, God will always show up. I learned that quickly. Man, you know what? My bills would, would come up and I wouldn't have enough money like every week, you know, because I was terrible with money. Let me tell you what, I don't know about you, but nobody ever sat me down and said, this is money. This is how you spend it. Because, you know, the guys I was with, they were dealing drugs. So everybody had a pocket full of money. So they were like, oh, yeah, light bill. You know, whatever. 64 and Paula. I mean, that's just how it was. So, you know, money is no object. It's just not, it's not a problem. But that doesn't help you when you get born again and get filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're like, hey, you got to pay your bills and tithe. And I was like, tithe? What is that? They're like, yeah, that's where you give some of your money. Well, I was like, no, I've got to pay the light bill, you know? And they're like, well, if you were tithing, you'd probably be able to pay your light bill. I was like, oh my goodness. So I began to learn about the Bible and what it says about that. And so... It really just changed my whole mindset of what do I believe and why do I believe it? Is it biblical? Is it truth? Is it a compromise? And so there was a bunch of watered down stuff in me. And I think a lot of it came from how I grew up because everything was muddy. Let me tell you what. There was no integrity. There was no morality. It was just... It was crazy, you know, and that's just how sin is. That's how evil is. It doesn't have like a, a radar. It's, well, we'll only go this far. No, evil is evil. And it doesn't matter. It's whatever. So 
That doesn't bother me at all. I have one that is three months old. That's awesome. Okay. That's my ADD. So, strongholds of hopelessness and low self-esteem. Strongholds of shame and guilt. Stronghold of poverty. I have all of these. Stronghold of illness. I could tell you about that one. Stronghold of anxiety, fear, and worry. I'm going to brief over these and I'm going to come back to one. Uh, Emotional strongholds, wounds, divorce, anger, abuse of any kind, loss of a child, miscarriage. um, The list goes on. Self-harm, whatever the case is. They create strongholds. I'm going to talk about the stronghold of illness. So I used to have to take a medication after I lost my spleen, I had a splenectomy, urgent emergency splenectomy. My wife saved my life. I was sitting in a car at a church, died, bleeding to death. So I played Jesus in an Easter play. I mean, that was, uh, I thought that was fun. That was awesome. So when I came out of the tomb, they were like, Jesus, tell us your story. And I was like, I met Jesus in a jail cell, blah, 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 blah. I just told him the same story I told you. And so the enemy didn't appreciate that because there was a nice, you know, people were coming to the Lord. It was awesome. So we got to do that a bunch. So my spleen ruptures and I'm bleeding. So I'm, I'm sweating pretty bad. So I go outside, of course, because you know there's, air, there's no air conditioner in the church, right? So I'm sweating to death. And I go outside. I'm like, gosh, I'm dying. I text my girlfriend. She wasn't my wife at the time. I was like, hey, something is wrong with me. You know, when something's wrong with your body, you're like, you just feel where you're just like, Some, something's not right. I don't know what it is. And you can't figure it out. And that drives me nuts. You know, I want to know what's going on. I'm Googling everything. What does this mean? And by the time Google tells you what it is, you've, you've got some kind of rare thing. And there's no telling what it is. And there's no hope for you. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm dying here in the car. And I'm at church. I'm dying in the church parking lot. And I said, Lord, I ran forever, and now I'm going to die in this parking lot? Really? I just played Jesus. Come on, man. Come me some slack, you know? And, I mean, nothing was happening. So my wife, she, she's my girlfriend. She walks out, and I go blind. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you serious? So I'm touching my eyeballs. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're open, and it's black. I mean, it's pitch black. Well, what I realize, you can't Google that because you're blind. So I was just like... When you start losing enough blood, you, your, your eyesight goes down. You just, I mean, you're, everything's shut down, right? Because you're bleeding. You can't do that. So Christine gets on the radio and she's like, hey, what's crazy is our church, you know, it's, it's kind of wild. We had we like a security team. They had firearms. And then you had all these people like paramedics and everywhere. You know, this is church. Isn't that crazy? And they had a crash cart. They like they brought that thing out there. They stuck that bottle on my dashboard. And I could hear it all going on. He's like, I'm going to give you an IV. I mean, he's pumping me with an IV right there in my car. I was like, good Lord. This is great. You know, thank the Lord for these people. And uh, boop, the lights came back on. I was like, whoa, hey, I can see, man. What's going on? By this time, there are tons of people out there. I'm like, oh, my goodness. What are they doing? You know, what's going on? And they're, they're asking me what's happening. So fast forward. My body goes into this. It was just, it was the devil. I'm going to tell you what. It was so weird. I couldn't eat nothing but fruits and vegetables for three years. I mean, Daniel did it in the Bible, but I didn't want to do that. 
That was not enjoyable to me. You know, it was fun at the first of the year when we would do like a fast, but I didn't want to live like this. I was really mad at the Lord. I'll just tell you. But I was, I was upset because I was doing the right thing. I wasn't in a dope house snorting cocaine. You know, I was, I was at church and I was doing the right thing. Um, but a stronghold came into my life. And I don't think God sent it on me, you know. I just think that I got attacked. And so fast forward, at the end of the three years, I mean, life was getting really bad. The pills they were giving me, they were not helping. They said, John, what is kind of helping you per se, maybe helping you cope with life, is killing you. It's killing your kidneys. Uh, and it's killing, I mean, all these pills you're taking like over 40 pills a month. And it was just, it was, it was hell. I'm telling you, it was bad. I lost my job. My wife had to go to work. It was just, it was, it was miserable. And I just said, I told the Lord, I'm done. I quit. And you know, it was like, you can't quit being Christian. I mean, you can, but you know, like I didn't know what to do. I was thinking maybe if I quit being Christian, it'll go away. But you know, I, it was, it was such a confusing, angry time. So angry. And uh, the Lord told me, John, get up and move. And I was like, for what? Like, where are we going to go? Well, then my wife tells me she's pregnant. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. So I don't even know if I'm going to be alive in the next five years. So I'm thinking, gosh, my kid's going to grow up fatherless. You know, it, I mean, the whole pretty pity party. It was just a mess. So the Lord kept saying, John, move, move. And I'm like, I can't get a job. I mean, I lost the job at Toyota. I know you were there and seen all that. So he kept on staying on me, move. And my friend, he moved to go plant a church. And he was like, go help him. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to try it. So here's what I'm going to do. We're going to pack up everything. We had just bought a house too. Packed up everything we owned. And they were like, you guys are crazy. You guys are not thinking this through. You guys should think about this. I mean, I don't know. You're sick and she's pregnant. I mean, I think, I think you guys are making a big mistake. And I was like, here's the deal. We're either making a big mistake or God's going to heal me. And if he doesn't heal me, I'm going to tell everybody that he didn't heal me, that he told me to move, and I'm just going to blast him. You know, that's, that's, that was my thinking. That's what I was going to do, you know, because I was putting it on him because he kept telling me to move, and I didn't want to move. I wanted to stay where I was at, even though it was utter misery. But we packed everything up. I, I, I kind of lied to this boss. He was like, so you don't have anything going on that I need to know about? I was like, nope, I am good. And I'm probably the best painter you're ever going to hire in your life. Honestly, I've been painting cars for 20 years, you know. And I just, I, I really was telling him the truth there. But I had a total debilitating sickness. And whenever, that, whenever it would happen, I couldn't even move. I would have migraines. I would feel like I was going to throw up and my, my eyeballs were going to pop out. The only thing that would help was morphine. Well, you can't live on morphine. So that's what they were like. Hey, we can't put this IV in your house. And uh, so that was a real good thing. Thank God. Because I would have been an IV morphine boy. So we move. And I, I go over there. And I got healed. Like, Bam! It kind of shocked me because I had lived so long under that sickness. And I was driving down the road one day and I was thinking, this is crazy. No way. 
So, like, I mean, I picked out. I went to Burger King. I went I went and ate all this ice cream. I went to Walgreens. I was sitting in the parking lot eating a gallon of ice cream. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is really going to do it. I'm going to get really sick. And I was just eating it away. And my wife was like, you are crazy. And I said, well, it's either going to work or it's not. And nothing ever happened. And I was blown away. So, I mean, most of the people I work with are unbelievers. And I was like, hey. Bro, I know you don't know Jesus, but listen, I am freaking out right here. You know, I was in the paper. Dude, I am freaking out. He was like, man, you're a weird guy, man. And I was like, listen, I'm just telling you, something has happened to my body. I got healed, and I got to tell somebody about it. He's like, man, you're really weird. I like you. And I was like, yeah. He's like, what are you doing? Are you smoking something? I was like, no, man, I'm just serving Jesus. I get. I don't know. And we're still friends to this day. Isn't it crazy? Because it was just so radical. And so I got healed. So I was driving down the road. And the Lord said, John, your faith has made you well. Just like I told that woman in your Bible. And I was like, oh my God, he did tell her that. So that's what it was. It was faith in action. I was moving. And my heart was right. I was doing everything I knew to do. And my faith was in action. So anyways... That was a stronghold. So I just kind of stuck on that one for a little bit. What, what's the really hard part, though, is all of that stuff, if you've been through any of that, at some point, it can create a hard heart. You can become kind of numb. That's just kind of, that's just kind of what happens. And it makes it really hard to hear the Holy Spirit, to hear the Lord, if you have a hard heart. I have a very hard heart. Very very hard. And so there was a scripture in the Bible that really, really helped me. I was like, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand why I can't move forward. Why can't, why can't I have an encounter like some of these people that I know? And he said, John, you got a hard heart. Your heart's hard. Why don't you let me give you a new heart? And I was like, oh, that's even better. So there's a, there's a scripture. I think it's Ezekiel. Let me see. I got it right here. I think I think it's in Ezekiel. <clears throat> I got to find it because I love it. Because that's what happened to me. Maybe I don't. I think I deleted it. Well, Ezekiel 36, it says, I'll give you a new heart and I'll give you a new spirit. Uh, it, it says, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. And so only he could do that because I didn't have the desire to read my Bible. Most of the time I don't. I'm like, man, I'm tired. I don't want to read that. Every time I do that, I go to sleep. And he said, well, why don't you ask me? I'll give you the desire to do it. And I was like, okay, well, help me read my Bible, you know. And so he likes for you to do that. So he'll give you the desire, right? So it's weird. I would ask him and he would help me. But he had to give me a new heart. So I don't know. Um, I don't really know what any of these areas maybe that I've spoken or if, if, if anything kind of highlighted to you. And, and maybe, maybe none of that stuff happened to you. Maybe that... Somebody invited you tonight and you said, you know what, I'm going to show up, go check that out. But what I can tell you is before this meeting ever starts, we pray, God, would you touch people tonight? Would, would your presence touch them? That's what we're looking for. That's what we are hungry for. Because I can get up here and talk and say a bunch of things. But if God doesn't come in this place and you don't feel him... And know that he's real and that he cares about your situation. You'll leave here and this will be just another meeting. 
And that would be an absolute travesty to me. But that's, that's, what, that's what we do before these meetings ever start. We ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to talk about? Every, all of us have the same issue, right? We're human. We are a bunch of humans. And we're trying to figure out this experience. And life is kind of unfair sometimes. It really is. But we can do it together. If, if we move forward together, we can do it together. So what I want to do, this is what I want to do probably for the next eight minutes. So that's not a long time. Um, for the next eight minutes, I want us to, uh, Kirk and, and Helen are going to come up in just a second. And they're going to kind of play and they're going to have a song for us. But I encourage you, during, during that time, if you got something that you want to pray about, if you want to pray in your seat, if you just want to hang out, whatever you want to do, we want you to feel comfortable, but we want to give you an opportunity to get prayer, to, to maybe, if you want to come to the altar, I'm a big believer in altars. I'm an old school preacher at heart. I'm like a... a a Leonard Ravenhill at heart. I believe that altars are great because they talk about it in the Bible. But I believe God can meet you in your seat. God met me in my seat. I gave my life to Jesus on the second row. I kneeled down before the music started. You see, I was tired. I was so tired of being beat up. and I was just tired of running. I was just tired. So... Whatever you want to do, whatever you're comfortable with, they're going to play. If you want some prayer, I'll pray for you. My friend, uh, Mr. Blaine, is going to be up here. And my friend, Mike, he'll be up here. These are integrous men. They are godly men. So I want you to feel like you're safe. Whatever you talk about here will never leave this room. And you've got to know that. I am, I am big on that. That's a big deal to me. So um, what I want us to do, if we, if we can just close our eyes for one second, this is what I want us to do. I'm going to do the same thing. Let's quote this little, little verse. I say verse. Let's quote this little sentence over, over our life because this is what I hear God saying is this right here. And I just want us to do this for just a moment before we go into uh, worship. So say this with me. He won't relent. Until he has it all. My heart is yours. Let's say that again. He won't relent. Until he has it all. My heart is yours. That's the truth. He will never stop. Going after you. I'll never forget. I was pulled over. By the cops. Facing more jail time. And he told me, John, I'm going to get you off of this sentence again. And I will never, ever stop chasing you. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, as we enter this sweet, precious time where, where you do your business, God, I pray that we as the people, God, would just be reverent. And we would, whatever you are placing on our heart, God, if you want to meet us in our seat, if you want us to come up here and get prayer, Whatever it is, God, I pray that breakthrough and miracles would take place. In Jesus' name, amen.